What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. everyone, welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined as always by Derek Terry of the Cats Paws. Derek, how are you today? I'm hanging in there, Sean. How are you? Now that life is finally slowing down a little bit for the first time in seems like 36 hours, we, we apologize that we didn't get a Monday episode to you, but you're going to get two today. We're going to do a basketball episode and then we're going to dive into the football stuff on the second episode, Derek, because there's a, there's a lot to get to from Mark Stoops' Monday press conference. But the big topic right now is on the basketball side. John Calipari has this thing rolling now. We, we were recording recruiting episodes maybe a month or so ago, and there were a lot of question marks like, where's Kentucky going to fall with this guy? Are they going to get this guy? And now it looks like, Derek, that this is going to be a stretch of two to three weeks here going into signing day where it could be a really good stretch run for Cal. Yeah, I don't think anybody in college basketball had as good of a week as John Calipari did uh, these last, I don't know, five, six, seven days, somewhere in there. You get Olivier Saar and Jacob Toppin both eligible, uh, which Saar was probably expected to be eligible, but I don't think uh, Toppin was originally the plan. But then you get commitment from Bryce Hopkins last night, and it certainly sounds like they're going to move forward and land Damian Collins as well. It's not uh, official yet. It's not out there, but that's where the, you know, if you're reading the tea leaves, that's where this thing's moving to. So, you know, back in the stretch things again here for the, I don't, I don't know when the signing period begins, probably here in a couple of weeks, pretty close, usually early November. So you can see that 2021 class coming into view. And you can start to get an idea of what this roster might look like next season. But it's been a it's been a good run for John Calipari. Yeah, and the latest news is Bryce Hopkins joined uh, Kentucky's 21 class last night. Derek, uh, really, no surprise honestly. After he decommitted from Louisville and the Kentucky buzz started, I think the biggest surprise is it took as long as it did for him to kind of pull the trigger to commit. But I guess, too, in a, in a sense, it's not a bad thing. I mean, you kind of get some of the he, – he kind of got away from the Louisville. He didn't just decommit from Louisville and then commit to Kentucky like a week or two later. So I honestly think that it actually works out better for him probably in his recruitment and everything. But now you're you're looking at all these all these guys that Kentucky's kind of reeling in now. We Scott Clark, he has 22, but there's an asterisk there because you just don't know if he's going to fall into 21. So you have – I know for a fact Cal – feels a lot better today than he did, let's say, a week and a half ago. Like, this is really rolling in the right direction for him, Derek. And, two, the big thing is you're doing this without being able to go and make visits. You're doing this without being able to host guys on campus. Is this – you've been hinting – I think you've said this a couple of times, that you think the power programs aren't going to have any problem whatsoever when it comes to recruiting during this time. They're, they're going to go off of who they are. 
Yeah, if you listen to Cal yesterday in his press conference, he said that that he felt like they were like they're going to end up getting the same guys that they would have gotten anyway. So he's in favor of this Zoom uh, type recruiting, this virtual stuff, because he doesn't have to get out and travel as much. So for him, as he's getting older, I'm sure that it has been refreshing for him to uh, mostly stay at home and, and do everything that way. But you know, one thing I wanted to bring up with Damian Collins, and maybe we'll hammer this home a little bit more. I don't think he said a has he set an official commitment date? I don't think he has yet, but it sounds like it's coming this week, though. If you well go off these analysts are saying, let's just say, let's just put it like this, Derek. The crystal ball has literally gone directly in favor of Kentucky, and when yeah. that happens, somebody knows something, and it it wouldn't be would it shock you if he's already silently verbaled to the staff? Probably oh, not. Yeah, yeah, I think that's already happened, uh, and because of that. That's that was a move we talked about it a lot with Jay Lucas when he hired him. I mean, there was some question whether Kentucky could even recruit him with the kind of waiver or whatever that was speculated that they might have to have to even recruit him because of his relationship with Jay Lucas at Texas and then Jay going to an off the court role or whatever at Kentucky. But he was able to do that. Uh, it sounds like that's going to be his first big splash is is Landon D- Damian Collins and. Man, you read some of these stories coming out. I don't know if you go to 24-7 sports, you can view these. Uh, Rivals might have a few stories on Collins. I'm not really sure. But, you know, it sounds like for Collins, a lot of what his ranking was based on was just his potential. But now, as he's, you know, a senior, he's getting closer to coming to college. It sounds like his game is really starting to be polished a little bit more. And there's some, you know, hints out there that he might end up being a top-10 kid before all this is over. So when you look at front-court options – and these final rankings come out, they might not have been able to do a much better job than landing a kid like Damian Collins. And that's that's really what they need in this class because you, you see a path for your backcourt. If you get Salas, you've already got Hickman. Sky Clark is kind of there. Just where do you need him kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Like is it going to be 22? Is it going to be 21? Uh, Hopkins fits in there at a forward. So you, you need this guy to anchor the paint in your class. Uh, you're going to lose Olivier Saar and – it all depends, Derek, too. We also know that Cal is going to leave room on this roster probably to go target a transfer or two. That's just the thing that they're going to fill out that roster with. We don't know what's going to happen with Devin Askew and some of these other guys. Like if I, if Isaiah Jackson has a crazy good year, we've seen guys come to Kentucky not be on the radar to leave after one year, and then they leave. A Shea Alexander, for example, a Tyler Hero. So we know that there's going to be one guy that's going to surprise, that's going to be better than advertised, and probably be in the conversation to at least leave early. It always happens. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And based on what some of the comments we've heard, I think Isaiah Jackson's got to be that guy this year that, you know, Cal was already saying yesterday that Isaiah's doing some things that they didn't expect from him at this point. So sounds like he's been a guy who's come in and he has uh, maybe over-exceeded his early expectations since he's been on campus. And he's a guy that you know is going to log a lot of minutes because his forte is defense and blocking shots and, Cal loves that. Um, I don't know. You can see the versatility for this team really starting to come about, I think. And, and when you look forward to next year, Collins, I mean, in the shot blocking ability that kid's going to have, he just, I think he's just right up Cal's alley. And I think, uh, I don't, I mean, I don't think Cal had him in mind, Collins, that is, whenever he hired Jay Lucas. I'm sure it didn't hurt, but obviously he hired Jay because he saw something in him as a coach and then someone who could help him moving forward. And it's just kind of an added bonus that I don't want to say that they lucked into it because it's Kentucky and Kentucky can get, you know, they're pretty much in the mix for whoever they want to be in the mix for. But 
to be in that scenario where you probably weakened the the top suitor. I mean, I think I think Collins probably would have already been committed to Texas had Jay never left, and then Oklahoma was not able to seal the deal on that commitment. And uh, the more the longer it went, it sounded like the better it was for Kentucky. And again, we'll have to reiterate, it's not official yet. It's recruiting. Things could still change. But all signs right now are pointing uh, to Collins being yeah. being in Lexington next year. It's it's uh, it's certainly trending that way, Derek, that uh, I wouldn't be shocked if we're doing a Damian Collins reaction pretty soon because that's just the way it's been moving since Friday night, Saturday morning. Uh, I got a question for you. Go for it. You still on the you still on the Salas is going to sign on the fall train, or have you changed your mind on that? I mean, so because the way it's looking, like he might this class might be wrapped up right by uh, by the fall if Salas does make a decision. I, I, I'm still on it just because I just don't see official visits happening at all. Like I didn't I, didn't that come out the other day that they're looking at extending the dead period through the final four? Did, did I yeah, see something on that? So yeah. if that happens, then what's the point in waiting? Like, what are you doing? What are you going to get from a Zoom call in January that you're not going to get on a Zoom call in November? Right. So, yeah, I do. I'm going to stick by what I've said, that I think he pulls the trigger uh, before um, somewhere near signing day and just signs early regardless of where he goes. But this could be this could be big time for Cal if he can lock this entire class down and then you focus all of your attention in the spring on grad transfers or transfers immediate transfers if the if the rule uh gets voted on and passed and everything but Derek let's let's talk a little about this Kentucky team and John Calipari yesterday I know you and I we've talked about it on the show you you're kind of still wanting to see what they do I mean they've replaced a lot but I'll say this Derek Cal isn't backing down from thinking that this team's going to be good. And when he does that, it usually is accurate. It is, yeah. I mean, and if you look at some of these preseason rankings, they're they're actually kind of shuffled a little bit. Uh, I can't. I, I know ESPN's Jeff Borzell has them in the top five now, but I think that's as high as I've seen anybody place them. I think there are some uh, guys who still have them outside of the top ten. I'm not sure where I fall in that range just because I don't know enough about the other teams, but – I do think you got to feel better about it. I mean, the Keon injury thing kind of – they're saying it's not serious, and I'm not one to speculate that it is serious, but it sounds like he's not really practiced this fall too much, and he's still out for a few more weeks. Like, I mean, there's a difference, I think, in taking precautions, and then there actually being something there. I mean, I think uh, it's something to maybe not worry about too much because, you know, it's not like he's the only guy who can play that position, but he will be – the only guy out there who has played a year in Cal system and knows what to expect. So we'll see about that. Um, but no, I think this is going to be a good team. I just, without SAR before he got eligible, I, I thought it was going to be a, <laughs> yeah, had a good collection of players, some here and there, but not like a whole team aspect. I think they were going to struggle a little bit, but there was Sar, I mean, holes, you know, that Cal talks about, yeah. but it was in their roster because they, they were missing right. a guy that could anchor the paint. And it, it does seem like things have just, changed I guess mentally just the way that you kind of look at this team since that happened and I almost feel like it was the top end thing man that like people were like oh man they got like both guys eligible so now like the whole roster I mean he's got what 11 scholarship guys to work with now yeah there so is. the star thing would have been enough anyway but then when you add in just another body like a guy who I think Cal pretty much admitted yesterday like he you know he has some good skills but he's not really like you know, the, the advantage of getting Toppin was not for this season. I mean, I don't think it was ever really part of the plan. It's just worked out that way where they were handing out the waivers to anybody, basically. So they've got him eligible. His comments made me think he probably wouldn't be a huge part of this year's team, but he's still a guy that is there if you need him. But 
Uh, Sean, did you get to go back and listen to Cal, or were you on that yesterday? Because there was something I thought was really interesting, and I wanted to talk to you about because I think it's a cool thing for the fans. I, I, I don't remember hearing this uh, from Cal any other media day, but he, he basically went through – at this point in practice, through the stats that they've collected, who leads in points scored, who leads in deflections, who leads in block shots? Like, did you want to get into that a little bit? I, I do, because um, I thought it was interesting that he gave out that information, which is something we usually don't have at no. any point. We don't know who's the the best three-point shooter, who's doing this and who's doing that in practice. But Cal is an analytics guy, Derek. Mm-hmm. He's, he's turned into an analytics guy a lot in the last few years. And, uh, he said, I, uh, stats and diet, the film convicts. That's his yeah. new line. I think I might be what you hear. But... And I'm telling you, uh, the thing is, is you can, you look at those, you look at that stuff and it doesn't lie. It never lies. You, if you sure one guy looks like they're doing their job, but when you look at it on paper, it will never lie to you. It was funny because when he was going through it, it was basically like a question to Kyle Tucker for every single one. And I don't know how Kyle would have any kind of knowledge of who would have been <laughs> leading. So Kyle was basically just throwing names out when he was going through these. But, uh, you know, I got the stats pulled up right here. We'll go through them. And it started with the highest percentage from the floor, which one of these names kind of shocked me. It was Isaiah Jackson and Devin Askew. I mean, it seems like Isaiah's whole rep has been him defensively. And then for him to be shooting the highest from the floor, perhaps that just means he's taking, you know, a lot of shots around the basket, not too many challenging shots. A lot of throws to the rim. Yeah, you know, some lobs, yeah, you're right, catching, dunking, things like that. Um, Fern just fell off the table as uh, I was recording this. <laughs> well, we're but, uh, in here too. <laughs> so that's yeah. Fern is Derek's she cat. didn't make too much noise. Yeah, Fern is my cat, and she uh, likes the heat from the computer, and she got a little too – rolled around a little too much and fell off. Uh, she's okay, though. Pride's hurt, but she's walking off. Um, but, no, that got to the who has scored the most points, and it was Olivier Saar. And Saar's also grabbed the most rebounds. And then block shots was Isaiah Jackson, and lane touches was Terrence uh, Clark. And the deflections were Devin Askew. So, really, Sean, like, you had a lot of the same names yeah. for the guys who are leading these categories. And, and I really like the lane touches with Terrence Clark. And that's why late in games, Derek, Terrence Clark's going to be running the one. I'm I'm mm-hmm. calling it now. The ball's going to be in his hands. They're going to play through him in closing minutes of games when it's a big possession because of that statistic there. The, the guy gets to the lane, good things happen when you get to that point of the floor. And that, that's why I think that late in games you'll see maybe ask you move off the ball. Yep, that's all I'm saying. And Terrence with the ball in his hands, especially that I'm, I've, I've said this since the day that I interviewed the kid and I've watched film on him. Devin Askew will be better at Kentucky than everybody thinks he's going to be because he can play off the ball, and he has some size to his game. He's not a quad A green that you're sticking at the two. He's not a six-foot guard. He's 6'3". He can shoot, and then he has the one of the highest percentages from the floor too, Derek, which tells me that he's shooting the ball well and he's finishing at the rim. And he's active on defense and sounds like with the deflections. So it's not like he's a defensive liability. At least it doesn't sound like he will be. He's my game. prediction. He's my prediction to put himself in a position to leave after one year, but it'll be a tough decision for him. I really think that he's going to put himself in a chance to at least look at it. I I had, you know, last week when we talked about it, the only change in our starting five is you had Askew starting and I had Mintz. But the more I see these numbers, the more I think Devin might be if you know, maybe they'll give Mince, uh, you know, the job to start the year, but it sounds like by the time the games really count, it's going to be Devin who is out there, and it's still nice to have a guy like Mince. It is come off the bench for you and uh, lead. 
And that's why he came to Kentucky too, Derek. I don't think that Mintz shied away from that. I mean, you know that they're going to recruit a guard or there's somebody. He knew Devin Askew was coming in. Uh, I just think the entire time the thing that I've liked about this roster is, yes, they may lose games early because they're young, and it's a weird year. You don't have the blue-white game. You don't have the exhibition games. But I'm, I'm telling you, I just, I honestly think that the pieces that Cal has this year, if everybody turns out the way that they're supposed to, like if Boston and Clark are as good as advertised, Sar well, doing that's the point to make that those two guys besides I mean Clark got the lane touches, but BJ Boston might be their best player. He's not even on here. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the thing. Like if those two are as good as advertised, though, and you've got Sar, who I think you know what you're going to get from Sar. Uh, I think I, I, people have watched enough tape. When when you do those things against Notre Dame and Duke in the ACC, you're going to do those things against the teams in the SEC. And that's what I think has just changed Kentucky's entire outlook on this season. And then if Keon Brooks, if he's able to stay healthy and make his jump, I just think they they have so many options, Derek, that I think it's going to be a case of where it, a guy might get some minutes early this season, but then again, Cal's going to shrink that thing down to seven or eight at some point, and it's going to be whoever the seven to eight best guys are. But I just think that he has plenty of options I think he can experiment a little more with lineups this year than he has been able to in the past. And honestly, I think this team might shoot the ball better than some of his most recent teams. Yeah, I'm starting to lean that way. I mean, I, I like having a guard. Uh, I, I Mintz shoots at a decent clip from three, but I ask you, I just like having that point guard who can get guys and, and the spots they need to be to benefit the offense the most. But when it comes down to them, if they're open, you know they're, they're reliable three-point shooters. Because I feel like that can be just such a – such a boost for your offense whenever just I'm trying to I'm trying to compare it to a guard. I don't know if they've really had one at Kentucky that was like maybe Marcus T like for the tournament run. Yeah. Where he, you know, he was pretty much whenever he did take shots, they were good shots and they mostly went in. But I don't, you get what I'm trying to say. Like I just like a guy who whenever it does come out to him and the the opportunity is there for a point guard to score and they're just so consistent, uh, you know, I love that on, a, on a, for an offense. Because he's probably going to be, you know, if, if it's SQ or Mintz, they're not going to be the top scoring option on the offense. Like, it's going to go probably one. I mean, the way it sounds like, I mean, it might be Saar. Saar and Boston might end up taking the most shots on this team. you got Clark. That's three guys right there before I think you would even consider a guy like Askew taking more shots. Am, am it, I wrong there? No, you're not. And I'm going to say this, too. Uh, Mintz and Askew will play together some. I really think that he'll run on both out there with Clark and Boston. I think that he'll go four wings in a post at times. It, this is the year where he always, he always says he wants to do those things or you know, everybody else is kind of calling for him to try it. I think this might be the roster that kind of forces his hand to do it because I, I just think that you have so many options here, Derek. You can go small like that, and you're technically not small because you're so long at three and four with six seven Terrence Clark six close to six eight and then you can go big. You can go those two, you could go ask you one, Clark, Boston, two, three, and then you can go Jackson Sar, four, five. Like there there's so many options. As a basketball mind with me, I'm my brain is literally just going on overload thinking about the options Cal has. Like it's, he just has limitless options of what he wants to do. Yeah, I mean, this is a... And if you want to get really big, you move Clark to the one, and then you got Keon and BJ, and then you got Jackson and Sar. Like, that's the thing. Like, there's so many options that he did not have this past year. 
I'm trying to figure out where I'll even consider Kentucky being last season in the preseason because I think this team's going to be more talented than last year's group. I mean, last year's group had Ashton coming back. It was an experienced point guard. I think they got played up a lot. You know, there were the questions in the front court, but when you look at that starting five by the end of the year, they were all five-star recruits, you know? So, like, it was – on paper, it was a talented team. I don't know that it really – when I watched them play, I felt like besides the NIT team, though, it was probably the least talented team he had had. Um, I would agree with that. I mean, they're not going to have a lot – or is Maxie going to be a lottery pick? Like, maybe. They might have one lottery pick. But some of the – they don't have a surefire lottery pick, though, I guess is what we should say. No. And that's going to be the first time that they don't have one. And, Last year's uh, team executed, though. That that's what I think made and, them. And again, they won the SEC by three games. So it's not yeah. to say that it was a bad team. It's just uh, I feel like this group has more. And we can always, you know, from the end of time, we can say what would have happened had there been an NCAA tournament. What would that team have done? They came off the big one at Florida. Well, they had also blown a big lead at home to Tennessee the game before that, and the whole Ashton Hagens deal was not yet <laughs> resolved. And I mean, they also were down seventeen in that Florida game for a reason. Yeah. So well, they I mean, hadn't, you know, I think just as likely Cal wants to say that they were as, you know, a group that would have been the most loved. Maybe I think that was being kind to that team because I think they were just as likely to bounce the first weekend as as to do anything else, depending on the well, matchup they would have had. Whereas this team, it's hard to say what the NCAA tournament things like that are going to look like, but I think BJ Boston's probably a top ten pick. Clark's going to push for that. Sars a probably just as good as Nick Richards was, if not better. And we'll see what kind of production they get at some of those other spots. But I think this is a deeper team and probably a more talented team. I mean, we've not even talked about a guy like uh, Dante Allen on the wing, a guy who can just come in and maybe be a sniper out there for you from three. Yeah. So I think the pieces, and we'll see how many guys Cal decides to play, but I think the pieces on this team, it could be an exciting team, and I wish it was taking place in a, a normal year I because – I think this would have been a really interesting team to see what they could have done over the full course of the season. I think so, too. And uh, I think, uh, too, Derek, that this is going to be a team that's good against zone, which is it, – it's not easy. It's not easy to have that in the game of college basketball now because the, the college basketball game is kind of ugly to watch a lot of the time. Yeah. And I think that this this team with length, I think they're going to turn people over. I don't think they're going to have that on-ball defender – that just ball hawks like Ashton Hagens did, but I'll also tell you this: as good as Ashton Hagens was at doing that, when you turn on tape, there were a lot of times that he actually hurt Kentucky in situations yeah. by being there. He'd put them in bad spots defensively, so you're going to lose that. I think Askew. The thing that I like about Askew is his, it's his attitude. He he literally he doesn't care. He takes no prisoners when you watch him. His performance at Peach Jam. Right before he just, you know, that's when I was like, okay, this kid is nowhere. He's not playing another year of high school basketball. This is it. This is his last year when he dominated Peach Jam. Uh, I just think they have really good, really good pieces. You got enough veteran leadership and Sar coming back, or Sar being there. Mintz has experience. Keon has some experience. And then I just think that BJ Boston, Terrence Clark, I just think it's going to be one of those duos like you're looking at a Malik Monk, Deere, and Fox, or. Jamal Murray, Tower, Euless top backcourt with just a lot of options, but the difference is you have a ton of length, and we know what these guys do. They're going to have Kentucky's a team, Derek, that they're going to you're going to be hard. It's going to be hard to defend them man to man. There's always going to be a guy that's going to beat somebody. There's going to be a mismatch every single night. I don't know if you can say the same when Kentucky's defending though. 
but if you're defending Kentucky, I think that you're going to be hard pressed to to take away those paint touches, and that's why I think you're going to see they're going to see a ton of zone. And I think that's why Cal's trying to work this zone in because I think he knows he's going to see it, and I think that's why he's working against it. And that's why I think, honestly, this team will be better in zone than some of his previous teams were. Last question I have for you, and it's kind of uh, probably too hard to say right now, but I still wanted to get your opinion on it. How many guys do you think will end up in this rotation? That is really hard right now. No, I've not seen them. I know it's a tough yeah. question, but just going off Cal's history, would you put it with this team? Would you put it around eight? That's the number I'm thinking. It's eight. I will go eight. He'll he'll trust eight, but he'll play seven. Or sorry, he'll trust seven, but he'll play eight. Does that make sense? What okay. I'm trying to say, yeah, yeah. like yeah. he'll play eight, but I think when it comes down to it, if he can get by with playing seven, he'll play seven. Um, I think you'll see both point guards play. You know, you'll see Boston and Clark play, and then I could see it being Keon and then Jackson and Sar. And then I just think after that, you look at is it Lance Ware? I think I think Fletcher's impact is going to be down the road at Kentucky. I honestly, I want to say the same for Dante Allen, unless they get in a spot where they need him and he comes in and can shoot the ball. But the thing Offense is, well, yeah, probably. The thing yeah. is, though, if you can make shots, but you're only playing if you can defend. Like we saw yeah, this yeah. with Johnny Juzang too, so I, I'm going to say he'll play he'll play eight. But when it comes down to it, NCAA tournament time and it's a must win game, he's going to play seven, and it, it might even shrink to six if somebody's playing well. We've seen minutes go up. You remember Reed and PJ, Reed on a bad knee, PJ on a bad foot, and Reed played 43 minutes I think out of 45 yeah. against Auburn. He, he wouldn't play uh, yeah. Montgomery. I'll also Jackson. tell you this too though. That's what I think gets Cal sometimes is I think he goes away from what they've done the previous the previous 43 games. My thing is is if you've done this for 43, do it for 44 because you are who you are at some point. And but that's why his 2012 team I think was clearly the best. Yes, you had Anthony Davis, but they played like six guys and occasionally would go to seventh for Wiltjer, and you got to see that team kind of do that. I honestly like when he plays fewer guys. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, still hard to say for sure until we see it all play out um, on the court. But you know, you you can really tell in March who Cal trusts and who he doesn't because yeah. those minutes, uh, those rotations and minutes played for the guys that he knows he can rely on go way up in uh in the tournament. So well, there's a reason why you're blowing people out too in regular season games that you don't see him just go straight to the bench. He knows that he needs to get those guys minutes. And Cal cannot stand a bad stretch of basketball, but <laughs> I will say this too, Derek, that it all depends. When the bullets start flying, you find out who's ducking for cover and who's getting up fighting, and that's what you're going to find out, especially in a year like this. And I think he already knows who those guys are, but he's also going to say these little things like they're, you know, they're plugging Cameron Fletcher and how hard he's working and all these things. You you got to say those things because these guys they need to hear it. They need to hear that they're showing up somewhere. But when it comes down to it, it's you. It's hard to establish rhythm when you're playing 9, 10, 11 guys. The platoon team was really good. All those guys needed to play. But I don't know if Kentucky ever really established rhythm at some points with that with those lineups. But I, just, I feel like fewer guys means more chemistry, more success, and I think that that's who Cal's always going to be. And I just, I just think he'll play – He'll play eight guys. If he if he gets to the point that he trusts eight guys, this team will be very, very good. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. 
but we just wanted to kind of record and give a, I guess, a kind of feeling of the basketball program right now, Derek, because things have certainly changed over the last seven days. We wanted to recap the Bryce Hopkins news and then where Kentucky's going from here. I'd be expecting a Damian Collins recap episode pretty soon. I don't want to give a date. I know somebody emailed me the other day. I need to get back to them, honestly. But I, I got I saw it after Hopkins had already committed. They said, when will – is Hopkins definitely going to commit to Kentucky, and when will we see Collins too? So, I, yeah, Hopkins did commit to Kentucky. But now we'll have to see what happens with Damian Collins, Hunter Salas, and some of these other names, Derek. Uh, definitely not going to slow down, I don't think, the next couple of weeks. I think it's going to be – a lot of basketball talk, uh, but this will be just a basketball episode, and then we'll be back to just kind of recap the Kentucky football depth chart on the next episode. But by the way, this episode was brought to you by the Butcher's Pub with two locations, one in Pineville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky. Uh, visit thebutcherspub.com, or you can check them out on Facebook for all their daily specials. Derek, they were plugging the um, buffalo chicken sandwich the other day, and my goodness, it looked amazing on this picture they put up, and I'm trying to find what they said because I took a screenshot of it, and I was going to put it on Twitter. They said, nobody does a buffalo chicken sandwich like we do. Amen, Butcher's Pub, 100%. So make it out to the Butcher's Pub, try one of those delicious buffalo chicken sandwiches, and we'll be back for another episode of Kentucky Daily. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.